Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start, I believe it's verse 31, yeah, verse 31 today. We've been looking at different parables that Jesus taught. Um, Jesus taught us the um, parable of the sower, and He gave an explanation for that parable of the sower. So so we're not left in the dark to guess what He means, but He tells us. Um, He gave us the parable of the weeds and the wheat, uh, and He gave us the explanation, so we're not left in the dark again. Um, And... There were many other parables that Jesus taught. Um, In fact, we don't even know that we have all the parables that Jesus taught. Uh, I mean, John, the the Gospel of John tells us that all the books in the world couldn't contain all the things that Jesus did and taught. Um, So we, we have what God wants us to know, but we would be amazed to know all the things that Jesus taught while He was here. Um, today, we're going to kind of take a look at several small parables. These parables are so short. I mean, some of them are just one-liners. Uh, we're going to kind of look at all of these together to kind of conclude chapter 13. Um, and all these parables have, kind of have something in common. They're parables that are telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. What is the kingdom of heaven. What what is that? Um, Well, books have been written to try to explain what the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of heaven is. I I wouldn't begin to be able to explain that sufficiently so that everyone understood it uh, fully. But in a a summary, I'll I'll say it's it's this. It's God's inbreaking influence into the world. That's what I'll we'll say, say it's like. It's God's unbreaking, uh, inbreaking influence into the world. It's God's rule over His church. It's His rule over the world. It's His activity that breaks into this world that is not used to Him. And that's what, just for a summary, just for a, a quick definition of what the kingdom is. Um. So let's go ahead and read our text. And again, because of the way we've approached this chapter, it's a little weird. Um, We had last week, we looked at the parable of the weeds and the wheat, and Jesus gave the parable of the weeds, and then there was a section there, and then he came back and gave the the, uh, explanation. So we're going to look at what was in between, and then we're going to look at what came after the explanation, and we're going to look at that all together in one message today. So beginning in verse 31, it says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in a parables, in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And Jesus gives the parable of the weeds explanation. Pick up in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven, again the kingdom of heaven, is like a net thrown into the sea and gathered that was a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and down sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out his treasures his treasure, what is old, uh, what is new, and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogues, so that they were astonished. And they said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this is not his mother Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are they not all are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your love for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. You have spoken to us. You are the God who speaks. And Father, we pray that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, He gives these different parables, and the first couple of them that we see are like in couplets. I think what we see here, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, they both have the same meaning. And he's telling two different parables that give us the same meaning. Again, we come to the parable of the man who dug and found a treasure and the parable of the merchant who found a pearl of great price. Both of those have the same meaning. So what are the meanings of these Parables. What we're seeing here in the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven is this. The kingdom of heaven is gradual in its 
influence. Let's look at what the text says. He put another parable before them. Put another parable before them. Who's them? It's the crowds. At this point, Jesus is still teaching to the crowds. He put another parable before them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man sowed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like. All these parables, these four or five parables, all start out with the same words. The kingdom of heaven is like. It's a simile. We learn about that in English class in school. If you remember, I'm going to be teaching about that next year. <laughs> simile. It's a comparison using like or as. The kingdom of heaven is like. So what Jesus is trying to tell us, if we, if we want to know about the kingdom of heaven... This is what it's like. And the first thing he tells us is it's like a mustard seed, a grain of mustard seed. The point there he's getting at is he says that it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than any garden plants. Now, has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? Okay. Now, I don't know if it's technically really the smallest of all seeds, but Jesus wasn't trying to be technical here. He was saying, it's a tiny little thing. It's, of all the different seeds you can think of, it was the smallest one that people would commonly see. So Jesus is saying this, this tiny little mustard seed is small, but when you plant it in the ground, it grows and it becomes this huge bush. In fact, he says it becomes a tree and the birds of the air can come and, and um, uh, nest in its branches. What is the point here? What is the point he's making? The kingdom of heaven is gradual in its influence. It is, starts small and it grows to be very big in its influence. For instance, the early church, the first disciples that Jesus selected, there were 12 there were 12 disciples. And, 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 and in the very early church on the day of Pentecost, there was about 120 that were there uh, in the upper room as they prayed and they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. From 12 to 120. And then when the, when the Spirit came down, there were thousands that were added to the church that day. In perspective of the world, it was still a small, tiny little movement. But from 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came, He had these 12 disciples. It's grown and expanded until there are Christians on every continent of the world, in every country of the world, and it's still growing. The kingdom of heaven is gradual in its influence. It started small and it is growing in its influence until, until the knowledge of God is like the waters that cover the sea. Jesus says the same point, has the same point in this other parable. He says, He told them, Another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like 
Leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. What's leaven? It's like yeast, okay? It's like, uh, you know, you take some uh, uh, baking soda and add some water to it and it you know, causes your bread to kind of rise, okay? That's, that's what he's talking about, yeast here or uh, whatever kind of leaven you might use. You put it in the flour and you knead that dough and you let it set and it rises until... And it's no longer just a little bit of leaven, but it's filling up the whole loaf of dough. Okay? And that illustrates the same point that Jesus was talking about. It starts out small, it's just a tiny little speck, and it grows and grows in its influence, just like those early disciples. Now, here's a couple of things that we can also get from that. I don't think it's just in the influence of from the early disciples until. Now and in the future, whenever the knowledge of God will will be everywhere. But it's also, I think, in the individual life. You think of of the moment a person is converted and how little they know. The moment a person... Uh, believes in Christ and they, they become a Christian, they, 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 they may know very little. And as they grow in their walk with Christ, they become more and more uh, captive to the kingdom of God. They become they begin to learn more and more. It, it, it begins to affect more of their lives and change more things in their lives. And the more that we live as a believer following Jesus as a disciple, we give Him more and more control over our lives. What starts out small grows until it completely captures us. And another thing, another illustration of how the kingdom of God starts out small and grows. Look at us. We're a small church. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen are here this morning. Well, Jesus started with twelve. <laughs> Jesus started with twelve, and it's a worldwide movement. The kingdom of heaven starts out small. But we can have an impact in our world. We can have an impact here in this town, in this community, in this county, in this state, and in the world. You just think about the ripple effect that one person has when one person trusts in Christ. And they begin to share it with their friends. And it changes their family. Just think if one person wins one more person to Christ, and that person wins one more person to Christ, and think of how many more people will be in heaven one day. Because Redeemer Baptist Church won one person to Christ, who then won one person to Christ, who then won one person to Christ until Jesus comes. And I hope we can win more than one each. (laughs) But that's just if it's one. The kingdom of heaven is gradual in its influence. It starts out small and it grows to impact the world. 
That's what Jesus is getting at here in this first part. Then he, it, it comes here and Matthew tells us these, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Notice that. It, it, I drew attention to the fact he said he, was, he, he put another parable before them in verse 31. Verse 33 says, He told them another parable. And here, Matthew is telling us all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. So here He's teaching publicly for everyone. And what do we know from the parable of the sower's explanation about when He was teaching to the crowds? The disciples were asking, Why do you teach in parables? Because things are hidden. The crowds, not all of them believed. Not all of them believed. And those who didn't believe were not going to understand. And so these parables that Jesus taught to the crowds, those who believed, they were going to get it. And those who didn't believe, it was hidden. It went right over their heads. These things Jesus said to the crowds in parables, indeed, He said nothing to them without a parable, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Now, Ron and I have been talking about this for the week because um, there, there's a little bit of a, a question here. Why, why is it calling this a prophet? This is in the Psalms. It's not in the prophetic books. This is Asaph. He's not some of the prophets that we think of like Elijah or Elisha or, or Isaiah or Jeremiah or Jonah, anything like that. This is Asaph. He was of the priests. Uh, he, he was uh, of the line of Levi. He, he was uh, serving in the temple and he was a singer. What, why is Matthew calling him a prophet? Um, I, I think there's two reasons. One, uh, in the, uh, the Old Testament, when it talks about Asaph, Asaph, in at least one or two places, it refers to him as a seer. So apparently, even the Old Testament referred to him as someone who had some kind of a prophetic gift. The other reason is I think Matthew speaks kind of generally. He speaks loosely about the term prophet. Um, it was written in Scripture. And all of Scripture is God's Word. And what is prophecy? It's man speaking God's Word to his people. So in general, all of Scripture we can talk about as prophecy. It's God's Word given by man for His people. And so in that sense, because Asaph was a writer of Holy Scripture, uh, I think Matthew referred to him as a prophet. And he quotes this passage. This is just verse 2 of the passage that uh, Ron read from. I will open my mouth in parables... I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. I'm going to think just, we're kind of taking a little bit of a side tone because we, we were talking about a couple of parables. Um, this, this may be a little bit into the weeds right here. So, how was Jesus fulfilling what was written here? Asaph was saying, I, Asaph, will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. That's what Asaph was saying in Psalm 78. And then he goes on and he talks about the mighty works of God and how the mighty works of God 
uh, in history reveal what God is like. And what I, I think we're seeing here is, is um, I'm going to use a, a scholarly word. Some of you may get it, some of you may not. But types. Types. Here I think Asaph is shown as a type of Christ. And, and what I mean by that is there's a similarity. What Asaph was doing there, he was taking a, uh, he was talking about uh, the things that God has done in nature and showing how uh, these are um, revealing mysteries that God has revealed for us to know. In the same way, God, Jesus was taking these little stories about seeds and sowers and leaven and all of these different things about nature and showing the mystery that's hidden in them to reveal things about God in the same way that Asaph was doing in Psalm 78. Are you tracking? Okay. It's a little complicated, but I wanted to give an explanation of what we mean. Let's go ahead and move on to the next parable. So next, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. Both of these things, again, are teaching the same thing. And what is it that they're teaching? The kingdom of heaven is of inestimable value. It is worth everything. And it is worth so much that we should give everything so that we can have it. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than us having our comfortable middle class lives. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than us having peace in our family. Jesus said, I come to bring a sword and to separate a man from his, uh, from his uh, brother and, and a father from his son and all those things. The kingdom of heaven is of so high value, we ought to be willing to part with anything so that we can have it. That's what Jesus is teaching here in these two parables. He starts with one about a hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So here's the scenario. Man's walking along, maybe along a road. He kind of gets bored a little bit, walks out into a field on the side, and starts digging and finds this treasure here. It's not his field. This seems a little bit unethical, does it? <laughs> he finds this treasure. He looks around. He's like, okay, nobody saw me. I want this field. <laughs> so he buries it back up again. And he goes and he sells everything he has. He buys this field. And now the treasure is his. It seems a little weird. Um, seems like insider trading. <laughs> Doesn't it? You've got this stock tip. You know, all right, tomorrow, the, or, or really soon, we're expecting the price to really go up on whatever stock you might pick. And you know what's going to happen. So you sell everything you have, you put all your money in this stock, wait for it to go up. What is Jesus getting at here? The kingdom of heaven is so valuable you do anything to have it. 
The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, like I said, it's, it's God's inbreaking influence into the world, but it also comes with heaven. It comes with forgiveness of sins. It comes with a restored relationship with God. We're no longer under the wrath of God. We get to have perfect paradise forever with Him. That's all also included in the kingdom of heaven. And this is so valuable that we would do anything. We would give up anything so that we can have it. Now, notice something. This is so valuable and so great that this person who wanted to go, who sold everything he had, he didn't feel bad about selling everything he had. It was, he says, in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has. It's not like, man, you know, if I want to follow Jesus, I got to give up this and this and this. No, it's like, no, in his joy. In his joy, he gave it all up because Jesus is so valuable. I get to have Jesus. I get to have the kingdom of heaven. I get to have my sins forgiven. I get to be in heaven forever with Jesus. It's so valuable that parting with the things that we loved before is a small thing. We don't even think about it as a loss compared to what we gain in having Jesus. The next parable, he's teaching the same thing again. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What I'm guessing is this is like he was looking for pearls at like a flea market. (laughs) And whoever owned it didn't know how valuable it was. Now, this would be a good day for Johnny to be here. (laughs) You go to a yard sale and find a Picasso painting. And the owner doesn't realize it's Picasso, an original. And you know it is. And you're like, so how much do you want for that? I don't know. Um... Now, it's not exactly like that because it does say he had to sell everything he had. But whatever he had, it was worth more than that. And he gave it all up so that he could have this pearl of great price. That's how valuable the kingdom of heaven is. That's how valuable having Jesus is. It's so valuable that we willingly, joyfully give up every loyalty that we have for the sake of having Jesus. Then, verse 47, he tells another parable of what the kingdom is like. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but the threw away the bad. And it was, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this parable doesn't have a couplet 
that we're looking at today, where there's two together right next to each other that mean the same thing. But honestly, it means the same thing as our passage we looked at last week. The wheat and the tares. The wheat and the weeds. And the harvest was the end of the age whenever God sends out His angels and, and, and he, he brings all the harvest in and He separates the wheat from the weeds. And the weeds He throws to be burned. Here, Jesus says, it's like a fishing net that's thrown out into the sea and pulled in and they pull it up on the shore and they're sitting there. Oh, that one's a good one. Oh, that one's a bad one. Oh, that one's a good one. Maybe they're looking at these fish and, you know, maybe some of them are rotten. They were dead whenever they came into the net. Maybe some of them... Who knows? Maybe maybe some of them have parasites and they can tell. I don't know what the difference is between the good and the bad, but clearly, Jesus' disciples were fishermen. Some of them were. And they knew what the good and the bad were. So they would get this. So what we're learning from this is that the kingdom of heaven will, will com- culminate will culminate in a final judgment. We have time right now. We have time right now. God is patiently waiting for us to get in on the kingdom. To sell everything we have so that we can be a part of it. He's giving us time. But there will come a time when that dragnet is thrown into the sea and we're pulled out. And the angels, according to this text, will separate the good from the bad. Those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Those who have believed that Jesus died for them and, and, and are trusting that what He did on the cross paid for their sins. Those who believe in Him and who, who are committed to follow Him as a disciple. Those who believe in Him are the good. Those who will be in heaven forever with Jesus. And those who have rejected Him. Those who have been happy with what they have and not sold everything they have to be able to be a part of the kingdom will be thrown away. Jesus says here, the angels will come out come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. That place in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus talks about hell a lot. It's a it's a thing we don't like to think about. We want to think about forgiveness. We want to think about grace. We want to think about love. We want to think about all those things. But we don't want to think about hell. But Jesus talked about it. And it's a real place. Jesus says in another place, it is where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. It is not just a lack of consciousness 
a ceasing to exist. No, Jesus talks about hell as a place of eternal conscious torment. Where people, real people who live in this world will be conscious for eternity experiencing the wrath of God. That is a fearful thing. And we are given warning that one day a judgment is coming. It is worth it. It is more than worth it to sell everything we have, to give up every human loyalty we have so that we can have Jesus, so that we can have the kingdom of God, so we can give up every pleasure that we have. And they talk today about guilty pleasures, those things that are sins that we indulge in. It's worth it to give up everything so that we can have Jesus. Not just to avoid hell, but because He is worth it in Himself. He is glorious. And heaven will be so much more than just the avoidance of hell. Heaven will be joy, unfading, We'll no longer have any pain, no longer any disease, no longer any death, no longer any sorrow, but only joy forever. Not something like a high that you can get with some kind of substance that brings you up for a moment of ecstasy and then leaves you in the gutter the next morning. But it's joy eternal, forever, that will never let us down. I'm going a little long this morning. I hope you'll forgive me. Finally, Jesus says uh, to His disciples, and th- this, is, this is private. Uh, I didn't point this out, but um, in verse 36, at the beginning of the parable of the weeds, it says, He left the crowds and went into the house and His disciples came to Him. So these parables of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, the parable of the net, these are things that Jesus is just talking to His disciples about. And he says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. This seems kind of almost flippant. <laughs> Do you understand all of them? Yes, good. <laughs> There's no uh, you know, quizzing them to make sure that they really understood. You know? Well, to whatever extent they understood. And Jesus knew they understood. And why did they understand? Because they believed in Him. Because they were His disciples. You can't understand until you believe in Him. He said, yeah, they said yes, and he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of the house, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This may be the most difficult parable here we have to understand. Here, he's not talking about the kingdom of heaven like he had in the others. The other ones he all said, he said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Here, he's not talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, a scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. So what is he talking about? Disciples. And I'm not talking about the twelve disciples. I'm talking about, are you a follower of Jesus? 
Have you been born again? Have you trusted in Him? And are you following Him? A well-trained disciple. You know, part of our mission, we talk about every week, one of the latest things that we added as, as a part of this year to our mission is we want to make mature disciples of every believer. Well, a scribe who has been well-trained for the kingdom of heaven is a disciple who has been well-trained to study God's Word. And a disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out things old and new. And when, when we are a disciple who is, is following Jesus and who has tr- been trained and we learn to study His Word, we can bring out old insights that we're all, we all share, we've all heard, and we can rejoice in those things. The old rugged cross, tell me the stories of Jesus. And we can bring out new insights. Things that are in the, from the Scriptures, now not really new, but the things maybe that we don't think about that often. That, and we're learning even more and growing. So this scribe who's well-trained for the kingdom, he brings out things new and things old together. Now finally, this last part. Jesus had finished these parables. And he went away from there and he comes to his own hometown. And he taught them in their synagogues. What was he teaching them? Well, maybe he was teaching them parables the same way he was teaching the other crowds. I mean, Matthew even said he didn't teach the crowds anything without teaching them in parables. So he was probably still continuing to teach parables. He taught them in his own uh, in his hometown in their synagogue, and they were astonished. And they said, "Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works?" So he was not only teaching, but he was also doing miracles. Isn't this just the carpenter's son? It's Joseph's occupation. Joseph his earthly father was a carpenter isn't this didn't we just see this kid grow up in our town it's like you know if one of the kids here in Panama that we've seen you know, playing in the streets and all of a sudden became this world renowned teacher I'm like what that guy think he, who does he think he is he just came from our little small podunk town that's what they were treating Jesus like Who does he think he is? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? We know this guy. We know who who he is and where he's from. Are not his brothers with us? James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Are not his sisters with us? They're dismissing him because they know where he's from. And Jesus responds and he says... Um, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. This, this proverb that Jesus quotes. Um, this, this famous teacher, any famous teacher, you imagine someone here who grew up here in Panama becomes a famous author and then goes on a, a world tour of all kinds of, uh, of, of explaining his writings and, and things like that. People are all amazed except back home. Where they know him. Where they know his family. And God, he's not all that much. That's the way they treated Jesus. 
And so Jesus, it says here, Jesus didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, how am I fitting this in with their parables? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, one, I just want to kind of finish off the chapter. <laughs> but also, we see a reaction to Jesus. We see a response. We have, when Jesus was teaching to the crowds, you have people who, who just didn't get it. It went right past him. We have the disciples who believed Jesus and they understood and they got it. And then here we're followed up with another response to Jesus. They see Jesus and they think, who does he think he is? He's nobody. So we can ask, what kind of response to Jesus do we have? Does it go right over our heads? When we see the kingdom and how much its value it has, do we recognize it for the value it is or do we think, eh, it's no big deal? Or do we recognize Jesus for who He is and sell everything we have so that we can have Him? Or when we see Jesus, do we become offended by Him? Those are the responses that we can have. There's only one that leads to eternal life. There's only one that leads to being a part of the kingdom of heaven. Believe on Jesus. Trust in Him. Give up everything you have because that's what Jesus demands of His disciples. Give up everything we have. It doesn't mean you sell everything you physically have. It means that your loyalty is transferred from the things of this world to Jesus. And if He asks you to do something... What Jesus asks comes first. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.